0: Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We take you now to Grover's Mill, New Jersey.
1: Alright, Dad, if you could give me a sound check there. Uh, I'll try talking from this far. What do you think? Uh, lean in just a little bit more.
2: What do you think? How's that sound?
1: That looks a lot better on my end, yes. Is that more better? Alright. Okay. Alright. Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Frank Reviews, a father-son expedition through pop culture. This week, we are coming to you live, although not live when you're playing this, but we're recording on location from Grover's Mill, New Jersey. On location. On location. Uh, At the site, the monument, dedicated to, as I try to pull myself into the picnic bench, the 1938 Orson Welles War of the Worlds broadcast. Uh, It's a tiny little park with a nice big open field, a nice little walkway with uh, uh, some monuments and uh, uh, historical factoids about the broadcast set up a couple of years back by the local Boy Scout troop with a lovely uh, steel monument to the broadcast itself dad what are your thoughts of, on of grover's the, mill of the park it's yes cool. it's right <clears throat> right in the microphone it's, it,
2: it's cool uh, it's a nice little park it's like a little quiet sleepy town here outside of something in uh, new jersey we just went through trenton to get here and that was yeah, we're f- uh, 15 just, minutes ago so just a few
1: <clears throat> short miles outside of uh uh princeton itself
2: there's a uh, probably what is like a, maybe a couple hundred acre pond uh, next to it, so it's a nice um, little area, little uh, playground for the kids, mm-hmm. swings and stuff, and and the uh, the monument is really like a big brass plaque about <laughs> I don't know maybe six by three or something with Orson Wells and and one of the uh, uh, big creatures and people sitting by the, the radio uh, the and tripod, yeah, yeah, being being scared to death that kind of thing. So <laughs> it's it's neat,
1: it's neat. All right, and so this is your first time here, obviously. Yeah. And I believe the other night when we sat down and listened to it, that was your first time listening to the broadcast in full. Yes. What were your thoughts on that?
2: Um, it was fun, but grown uh, I mean, I grew up knowing that you know it was a um, just a, a a performance. it wasn't right. real. And they introduced the whole thing um, as a performance. Uh, and then people get caught up in it, and I mean, if you listen to the the, the actors, uh, they sound pretty realistic. But then you hear some of the the background noises with some of the guys <laughs> yelling. <laughs> Every crowd had the same guys in it yelling and wow, hollering and, yeah. and stuff. You know, like five guys they must have had or something. And um, and the uh, the announcer uh, was so dramatic. You know, it's like. Uh, uh, um he was just so excitable you know <laughs> but i guess i guess you would be pretty excited when yeah, yeah. when like a uh, 100 foot monsters are starting to attack your town i guess that would
1: do it <laughs> so grovers mill new jersey was chosen literally at random one of the producers of the mercury theater on the air Bought a map of New Jersey and poked at it blindly, and that's how he arrived at Grover's Mill. That was exactly yeah. Yeah. And now, of course, Grover's Mill—I was saying to you earlier—it's not like a proper township. It qualifies as an unincorporated township. It's technically part of Princeton Junction. Um, but Grover's Mill itself still has a reputation purely based on this broadcast. There's a, uh, a local coffee house, Grover's Mill Coffee, and if you wander in, they have countless pieces of ephemera from different iterations of War of the Worlds. They've got newspaper clippings from 1938. <clears throat> They've got posters from the 2005 movie, the 1958 movie. I think that's when it came out. Um but I absolutely adore this little place. It's a nice, quiet little uh, little town chosen at random to become the ground zero for the end of the world. <laughs> That's crazy. Have you seen any of the movies? Uh, I remember seeing the 50s movie from years ago, years and years ago. The 2005 movie directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Tom Cruise. It manages to follow the original story from the H.G. Wells book, pretty well, although it does update it from, like, 1898 England to 2005 New Jersey. Okay. So it keeps the basis of, like, small-town New Jersey. They deliberately don't show you any, like, destructive monuments or anything like that. Like... Independence Day, one of my favorite popcorn movies, is very much based on the War of the Worlds,
0: oh, okay. but it's
1: obviously like crazy heightened because it's got Will Smith punching aliens in the face, and you see the White House and the Empire State yes. Building and all of these monuments just get obliterated. None of that in any of the other versions of the movie.
2: Why did they pick? Was why did they pick New Jersey?
1: Uh, well, f- New Jersey came about purely because. When they were adapting it for the 1938 broadcast, they were all based in New York City. That's where Mercury Theater and Orson Welles Uh, and his troupe and everything were based on. And they figured that New Jersey has one of the high, at the time, had one of the higher density populations in the country. That's where a lot of people who worked and lived in, well, worked in New York City ended up living. Um, So they chose New Jersey because of its proximity to New York, and as you listen to in the broadcast, the climax is kind of the Martians descending on New York City. Right, they were and, headed uh, for New York. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and then um, Orson Welles' character, Professor Pearson, eventually stumbles his way into Manhattan to find that the uh, the Martians have been uh, killed by just simple earth bacteria and viruses.
2: Yes. And the birds are eating them. And, and the, the birds are eating them, yeah. There was, there was a dog running down the street with a chunk of brown meat in its mouth (laughs) Uh,
1: did anything stand out about you from the broadcast
2: itself Um, okay so it's an hour broadcast It's an hour long and uh, you know there's a whole lot introductory and stuff so like once the once the space capsules the martian capsules get here Mm -hmm. and land on the earth uh, up till the end when we find them dead it's got to be less than a half hour I yes. Guess, the whole program. Okay. So this it's, guy... It's
1: pretty cleanly broken into two acts. Like the first act is like the quote-unquote real broadcast over the radio and the second half is entirely narrated in first person by Orson Welles playing Professor Pearson.
2: Right. And he's, but... he's going around... At the end, he's telling his experiences mm-hmm. and what's going on. Okay. Yeah. So like within uh, these people that thought that it was real I mean okay <laughs> but they said a couple they even had an, what they said it was an intermission okay we're yeah we're breaking yeah. for intermission now well wait the world's on no it's not yeah. it's, it's a program well, and things like 15 minutes into Professor Pearson was it Pearson's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, monologue uh, he talks about oh, there's a, a skinny stray dog. You know, how'd the dog get skinny in 15 minutes? You know, yeah. <clears throat> like obviously it, like so, the f- so much of the, the town got uh, wasted and animals are running around yeah. loose and people like, are scattered. The,
1: the first half of the show plays almost in something approaching real time. Right. Like the broadcasts from the radio stations themselves are in real time. But then anytime they drop into like a musical interlude, <laughs> like anytime they're not actively interrupting the original broadcast. That's when the gaps in time leap. Like, Professor Pearson does manage to hoof it from Princeton to Grover's Mill in under four minutes, which is impressive, to say the least. Yes, Uh, (laughs) yes. But it, it plays out, from what I understand, and Dana Gould, one of my favorite comedians, does this amazing breakdown on how the broadcast came to be so infamous. So if you remember in the opening part of the broadcast, it's these musical interludes interrupted by these terrifying... By by special announcements. By special announcements and stuff like that. So... I was reading something the other day. Apparently only 2% of the actual radio listening audience were listening to Mercury Theater on the air that week. The rest of the, au- the radio audience were listening to... Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate myself. Uh, I'll drop it in later. But they were listening to an act of a radio ventriloquist on the other station... What? Never mind the concept of, a, of ventriloquism on the radio. Kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> but the idea was they timed out the special interruptions in the War of the Worlds with the musical breaks from that show. So people would be tuning around the radio station. Okay. To, you know how you like, you know, if right. a commercial comes up on TV, you flip around other channels. Right. Right. So people would be tuning in, uh, tuning out from this uh, ventriloquy. Program and all of a sudden hear that Martians were attacking. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't know what to think. So the panic itself was obviously over-exaggerated. Like, there were no, yes. like, real, like people panicking in the streets and stuff like that. I was telling you earlier, there's a water tower not too far from where we're sitting uh, that is on private property, so I've never been able to get really close to it. But supposedly you can see bullet holes in it from where people were taking pot shots at it, thinking it was a Martian tripod. Um, right. I remember Nan telling me that one of Grams's, uh earlier memories, when he was like five, was going around knocking on doors, making sure uh, uh, the neighbors were safe from the Martians.
2: Oh, my God. I remember, th- <laughs> yeah.
1: I. Um, uh, but obviously, it never really took off to the level that we like to pretend it did.
2: Yeah, um, it, it, yeah, it, it gets a
1: little <laughs> more hype. I mean, it... Now, that- uh, uh, The next day, uh, CBS was besieged with people demanding, like, uh, uh, reimbursement for emotional trauma and stuff (laughs) like that. And uh, uh, you even heard at the very tail end of the broadcast, um, uh, uh, Orson Welles has a very uh, uh, off-the-cuff kind of... uh, we, if you believe this you're an idiot sort of thing <laughs> yes. it's like, that was no motion yes. it's Halloween yes. it's one of it remains yeah. one of my favorite things of all time that minute long sign off uh, well, um, if, if, if you're listening to it and then they go to a
2: musical interlude Uh, Like I would immediately be changing the station to find to try to get more news and so forth, and go to another station, and Mm -hmm, nobody would mm -hmm. be talking about it. Right, exactly. It'd be like, wait a minute, what? what, Like what? They don't know about it. What's what's happening? That
1: actually leads in perfectly. I think the most important lesson we, as a modern day 2020 audience, can take away from the 1938 War of the Worlds is uh, verify your sources. Oh, yeah. Good like point. how Like, how many places, like, you know, you see on Facebook all of the time, Hillary Clinton is running an abortion complex. Well, why is nobody else running this news program? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> verify who you're listening to. Trust your sources. Figure out what's going on. Well, pe- uh,
2: people now, I mean... People even nowadays don't... A lot of us do verify sources. Well... Uh, Hopefully you guys do out there. A lot of Um, us. but Not all of us. Back in 1930-ish or something like that. 38, yeah. yeah, Radio is still new. You know, so... And you're listening to radio, and it's on the radio. It must be true. (laughs) I mean,
1: wouldn't it? You know? No, I get it. I get it. But it's at the same time, like, why aren't they uh, interrupting the... um, Is it Paul and Sam Borm? Yeah, why aren't they interrupting the... uh, the ventriloquy show (laughs) to talk about the Martians that have obliterated New
2: Jersey. Well, ventriloquism is pretty much up there on the, uh,
1: performing arts, (laughs) a ventriloquist on the radio. Well, another major factor of it was that, um, Mercury Theater on the Air was a, uh, uh, part of a public access program so it didn't have commercials so they could really lean into the fakery of the radio broadcast without having right. to pause the war of the worlds is brought to you by blue coal yes. pennsylvania's <sighs> finest burning anthracite yes um that's i i absolutely love everything about this so the one person that did get reimbursed <laughs> for emotional trauma, was a guy who sold a new pair of shoes to afford a bus ticket out of town, oh my God. and Orson Welles paid him back personally out of pocket. For the shoes. For the shoes. <laughs> for the Unbelievable. Now, what's crazy at this point is nobody even cottoned onto it being Orson Welles doing all of the talking. Like, why does Professor Pearson sound exactly like the shadow? Orson Welles no, at this point right, was right. so omnipresent on the radio scene, he literally had an ambulance waiting outside of all of the places he was doing his broadcasting to he would jump in, they would flip on the siren and then ferry him over to the next place that he needed to broadcast wow, to. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, like he was such a huge figure he had to get from place to place that quickly. Like can you imagine like Brad Pitt or Will Smith <laughs> being ferried around by an active ambulance Yeah. Uh, so he could make it to uh, the next set on time? <laughs> I I absolutely love uh, uh, everything about it. Um, did you have? I mean, we've only been going for about fifteen minutes. Did you have anything else about the broadcast?
2: Um, it was it was a nice piece of history. Nice to hear all the stuff. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you, I mean, I'm trying to put myself back in a 1930s kind of a right. mindset. I mean, I guess it, it's radio. Yeah, radio's new. Right. But back then, we were talking earlier, back then, I mean, people respected, uh, like, broadcasts and Mm -hmm. and listened and did what they were told and stuff. And I could see where some people would get really Mm -hmm. pretty freaked out. I mean, knowing what kind of... Uh, folks, we have around now. Days like a little less, uh, like a little lower on the sophistication uh, uh, scale. And you, folks, know who you are. Um, but uh, it's just as amazing. But I, it would be interesting to know how much of a um, um, disaster really created locally with people uh, running and and scared and that sort of well, thing.
1: Well, they seem to have embraced their history now with uh, <clears throat> everything going on around here. Yeah. Um, but uh i even just like the weird realism of like the uh we were both laughing at the uh the owner of the farm uh Wilmot or whatever his name was on which whose farm the Martians crash-landed. They interview him at one point, and he was just like a useless yokel who was like, well, I was kind of half-asleep, not really asleep, kind of dozing. Yes, please, get on with it. Come on, come on, (laughs) come on, come on, come on. on. Yes. I heard a noise like, or whatever it was, and were you scared? Well, I wouldn't say I was scared, but it's just, it's... uh, (laughs) That's exactly who they get to uh, interview on the street for every Mm -hmm. natural disaster. Every single time. Yeah, well, that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, all right. Any other standout moments for you? Anything mm-hmm. you'd like to add? Or?
2: Fun. I would like to see, I don't know, are
1: any of the movies worth watching? Uh, it. I would definitely enjoy seeing the the 2005 one again because it does capture like the energy of like that on the ground panic, especially because it was made uh, uh, just a few years following um, September 11th, 2001. Oh, yeah. So Spielberg really leans into the unknown terror. Okay. One of the kids that, that, that w- after the Martians initially attack and the kids don't know what's going on. The kids even ask, "Is it terrorists?" So, okay. uh, yeah. yeah, they even make a point in the 38 broadcast saying, like, everybody's on edge because of, like, the, the war brewing in Europe and yes. Hitler and whatnot. good point, good point. And uh, um, it's, yeah, but uh, I, would all, I wouldn't mind saying no to the 1950s movie. Side note, real quick complaint, when I was here in... 2018 it was the 80th anniversary of the broadcast and I had just been put on day shift I had my evenings free I came up here with our little spotter scope got a nice view of Mars uh, in the telescope and as I'm looking through the telescope an SUV just leaps up the curb off of the street pulls up to about 10 15 feet from the statue driving straight across the field and uh, out jumps a photographer and the uh, original actress from the 1950s War of the Worlds. Oh, cool. So the whole town was just having a cr- kind of bizarre frenzy for the anniversary of the broadcast.
2: Cool. <clears throat> oh, if, if, that's, uh, if that's what you got. You I'm,
1: <clears throat> I'm kind of hoping to see what they do uh, in uh, 2038 for the 100th anniversary of the broadcast. Let me Just, know. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll keep you posted keep on that posted, one yeah. in in 18 years. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything you... This is uh, our final episode coming out before the election, Ugh. but not the final episode we record before the election. So yeah. the next episode we record will uh, be recorded the day or so before the election and come out following. Yes.
2: Uh, Make sure you vote. Um, yeah. Uh, Even though you think it doesn't count, it counts. Make sure you vote. Get your ass out there and vote.
1: Well, I was going to pitch for the movie for next week. Would you like to stay in the spirit of these insane bug nuts time we're living in and watch the movie Idiocracy? Unbelievable!
2: <laughs> Idiocracy is—it's not—it's not a fiction movie. It is a, a documentary. It's, a, it's, a,
1: it's coming close it's to cur- documentary at this current
2: point. Current yeah. documentary, uh, Idiocracy. If if you haven't seen it, try to catch it before uh, before we record on it. Uh, <laughs> it's flipping nuts, but you'll go, yeah. Now I see what you guys are talking about.
1: <clears throat> All right, fair enough. So, Dad, um, uh, let's see. I am HD Lickner on Twitter. Pod underscore. Frank on Twitter and uh, Muscle Nerd Studios on uh, Instagram that's the platform dad if you want to take us out vote keep voting vote some more
2: Um, and I don't care who you vote I do care who you vote for but that is your personal choice and that's why it is America Um, and um, be nice to your folks and uh, be nice to your teachers at school
1: and clean your room Have fun, everybody.
0: This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen. Out of character... To assure you that the war of the worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be. The Mercury Theater's own radio version of dressing up in a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Starting now, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all your garden gates. By tomorrow night, so we did the best next thing. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and that both institutions are still open for business. So goodbye, everybody, and remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight. That grinning, glowing, globular invader of your living room is an inhabitant of the pumpkin patch, and if your doorbell rings and nobody's there, that was no Martian, it's Halloween.